It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to this episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I'm Chloe, the creator and host of this award-winning show, and it's my aim in every single episode we put out there to help you find ways to improve your e-commerce business. In today's episode, we're discussing how the last 12 months has changed e-commerce, and Liat is sharing some brilliant tips on what you should be working on right now and for the holiday season, including the uplifts they're seeing for those retailers who do these things and don't. Yes, actual percentage uplifts, exactly how much these marketing tactics could and have the potential to impact your sales. Before we get into all of that, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. This message comes from e-commerce master plan sponsor Wix e-commerce, the industry leading e-commerce platform with advanced online storefront features. Wix e-commerce is the complete solution for entrepreneurs, omnichannel retailers and brands to launch, run and scale their online stores successfully. Go to wix.com slash e-commerce. That's wix.com slash e-commerce today and join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. And now to introduce today's guest expert. Liat Karpel-Gerwitz is head of e-commerce marketing at Wix.com. That means she spends her days attracting more retailers to use Wix to power their online store. To do that, she and her team spend a lot of time learning from Wix's 700,000 e-commerce users. And she's joining us today to share some of those key lessons that they've learned from their most successful customers. Hi, Liat. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. I'm always interested in what supplier side people learn from their customer base because you often hear about things we just don't normally hear about out in in the world. And you speak to so many more retailers than most of our listeners do. So I'm sure we're going to get some great tips today. Before we get into all of that, though, how did you end up in this world of e-commerce? So I've always worked in marketing for online SaaS platforms um, over 15 years now since I began my career. And first of all, in that capacity, I myself have always done e-commerce to a sense because we're selling some kind of service or product online. And um, I've also worked a lot with audiences of businesses, small businesses who are trying to build their brand or business online. So I've been at Wix about seven years now. Um, and prior to Wix, I worked at a company called uh, Conduit, where we developed a platform called Como, which was a mobile app platform, also used by a really similar audience. So I've worked a lot with businesses and retailers trying to figure out their digital solutions and online sales, mobile sales over the years. 
Um, I've been leading e-commerce marketing group at Wix for the past two years. So um, I've worked with different audiences at Wix um, while I've been there. Um, but I think that for me, it's always such a privilege to work with businesses and see how much the platform and the tools that we create are able to impact their lives and their livelihoods. So that's always really exciting for me. It's very similar to a retailer who gets to hear how their product helps someone. It's, it's kind of exactly the same thing, only as a, as a SaaS provider, you tend to hear more about it because you know, they are using you day in, day out, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's also um, a huge part of how we try to work. So I'll tell you, I look at um, online stores on the platform every single day. I try to understand what our users are doing, what works for them, what doesn't work. So on a bad day, I'll look at 50 stores. On a good day, I'll look at 200 stores. Um, And I talk to them all the time. I'll, you know, message with them online. Sometimes I use the online chat on their website, uh, on social. I'll pick up the phone and call them sometimes. So that gives me a lot of insight into, you know, what they need. What are we doing right? What can we do better? Um, And really getting to know them and their businesses. Wow, that's amazing. 200 sites a day. My... I would get, I get so distracted. I just look at five e-commerce sites. It would take me a week to look at 200, but I guess you're, you're more practiced at it than I am. Well, um, I've been doing it for seven years, so you can imagine how many I've seen. But, um, but it's a problem. I will say I'm also um, a notorious online shopper. So looking at that many e-commerce sites um, is very risky business. <laughs> going, it's, it's almost one of those scenarios where you have to go and uh, was it they they suggest if you've got a, if you've got spending problems you should uh, freeze your credit card in a block of ice in the freezer. So uh, the theory being that by the time the ice melts you'll have got over the urge to purchase. But I know all of those off by heart. The numbers I don't need the card. I just, I just need the numbers. <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? If you know it off by heart, or if you know if it's saved in your Google Chrome or your your mobile app. It doesn't quite work the same. Uh, Anyway, we are not here to talk about methods of controlling one's spending. We are here to talk about what you've learned from all those conversations, all that looking at Wix's customers. So let's kind of look back a bit first. How have you, what are the interesting ways in which you found Wix's customers um, adapting during the pandemic to, to deal with all the interesting stuff that's happened over the last 12 months? Sure. So, I mean, 2020 was a year that just pushed businesses to um, adapt and shift just to survive and then ultimately thrive. But I think there were the first few months of the pandemic, which were mostly just shocking for everybody. And it was about people figuring out what they needed to do, how, how to just, you know, adjust to this whole situation. Over the year, we saw huge numbers of businesses moving online. So, you know, at the beginning of 2020, we had 400,000 active stores. Um, Today, we're talking about over 700,000 active stores on the platform. So that's already an indication to you of how much growth there was. Um, We saw 140% um, year over year in revenues um, processed on the platform. And businesses on Wix just in 2020 processed over $5.4 billion on the platform. So huge, huge number of sales and growth um, across that. So I think there have been 
challenges for businesses in every aspect. Some had supply chain challenges. Some had fulfillment challenges. Um, there were a lot of shifting around how you were doing that fulfillment. So um, things like curbside pickup and in-store pickup early on became um, super popular and then moving on to more local delivery solutions. Um, and I think like we're seeing that progressing now to stores even starting to offer additional services this way. So post-holiday season, a lot of stores were offering um, curbside returns or in, like, as opposed to regular in-store returns. So businesses being really creative in how they're adjusting um, to dealing with this. I think the big shift that I'm seeing this year um, as opposed to last year is that businesses are now much more focused on how they build out their e-commerce strategy and how they really make that part of the business model. Um, you know, they progress beyond the stage of just trying to figure out how they get online, sell online. Now they're really trying to make this an ongoing part of their business. They're growing. They're trying to figure out all of the retention part of it, the marketing part of it. Um, some of them are adding in additional sales channels. So really depending on what it is that you're doing, um, there's a lot of focus, I would say, on growth this year. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, you're saying about 300,000 new users, new e-commerce users of Wix, which you know, that's, I would take a rough punt that the majority of that isn't people who suddenly went, oh, there's a pandemic, let's start a business. That's people who went, I need to find a way to survive with my business, have shifted to online for the first time. And then it makes, it makes total sense. Then I go, right, okay, I know how online works. This is a longer term opportunity. Now, how do I make it continue to work? Which I, I suspect some of our audience are going, Wow, that's a lot of new competitors to deal with. <laughs> but but it's also, you know, if you're if you're thinking that, what you need to be doing is looking at your strategy as well. So it kind of forces us all to do better, I think. Would you is that what you're seeing? People doing doing better than they've done before? Yeah, I, I think that there is a lot of change also in terms of consumer expectations. So, you know, although a lot of businesses moved online, a lot of shoppers moved online, people who never shopped before. And I'm sure everyone feels this even in their friends and family. Suddenly, uh, you know, my parents shopping online who never, ever shopped online before. Um, so a lot more shoppers online than ever before. Um, but people are becoming much more demanding of what they expect of brands because they are able to do those comparisons so much better. There are so many more competitors. Um, so the service aspect of it is so much more important because, you know, you, you need to make sure that your customers really feel appreciated, that they're getting what they're looking for. You need to think about ongoing touch points. So it's not just about one sale, but how you're connecting with them and kind of staying top of mind over time. Yeah, I think it's something we've all... I think I personally, I th and I'd be interested in your take on this, I think one of the reasons why this is being talked about so much more in our space now, where, you know, those of us who are trying to help retailers do better. You know, there is obviously the fact that the consumers are, uh, there's more of them out there. So there's that opportunity of, well, if we can retain them, you know, we've had this huge, many have seen a huge surge of new customers. How do we keep them? But I think there's also the side of, I think, uh, you know, a lot who had that surge in orders in the earlier, earlier part of 2020 were left 
going, well, we're struggling to keep up with demands. We can't do our marketing that we'd normally be doing. We're not allowed to send an email out and we're not allowed to to run Facebook ads because the the warehouse team will, quite frankly, kill us. Um, But therefore, what are we going to do? So kind of marketers have had the space and the time to kind of build these these things they've been meaning to do for years, you know, like a proper social media strategy, better content, better post-purchase communications. Uh, would, you, would you agree or disagree with me on that, Leah? Do you think they're, they're impacting factors? I think it's definitely an impacting factor. You know, I think that there were different reasons that businesses you know, turned to focusing on digital marketing. I'll say I see, I saw examples of, um, we have one business called Forge to Table. They sell um, these handcrafted Japanese chef knives. And early on, their supply chain was actually um, badly impacted. And they had a period of time where they just couldn't get products out to sell. So they weren't, they they had demand. Um, They weren't dealing with the fulfillment challenge. They were just struggling to get their products um, available again because they were bringing them in from um, the Far East and they really had a hard time at first. Uh, and Noah, who's the owner, is also a chef. So he started really focusing on content marketing and he built out this amazing blog. He started creating like recipes and video content, teaching people how to use the knives in real context. Obviously, during the pandemic, a lot of people were starting to cook at home more than usual. And this content just took off like crazy. Um, And then within a few months, he'd sorted out the supply chain issues. He was back on track in terms of business, but he discovered this really valuable piece to his business that he's continued to develop over time. Um, So I think part of it is people discovering new elements that really work for them, um, that allow them to do so much more for the brand and for their clients. Um, I have other businesses who started out um, with really strong um, offline businesses, either selling through retailers or wholesale, coming online for the first time and discovering the power of going direct to consumer and what that means to cut out the middleman and sell directly to your customers and really own that relationship and how much they actually were able to scale more than they ever imagined before trying. So, you know, I think it's funny because a lot of people ask me about why there's so much more focus on retention strategies now and D2C. Um, And I don't think that there's more focus. I mean, stuff we in the e-commerce space have always spoken about. It's not new. But I think typically for D2C, we, we thought about these businesses who were kind of born on the web and aimed at digital first audiences and like were kind to disrupt something. And suddenly we're seeing all of these established traditional businesses starting to adopt these methodologies for their businesses and really just making it like part of whatever else they're doing. So... Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting when you kind of contrast those, the D2C native and the business who's now adopting online because um, I, it, it, it's kind of, it's like different skill sets colliding. You know, a D2C company... Maybe they've they've come on and they've they've grown through Facebook ads. So they're great at the nitty gritty of the ones, the zeros, the you know, is it working, isn't it? Let's optimize it, tweak it, etc. But the offline company is probably better at talking to customers, especially that you know, if had a physical retail space, they're used to telling their story every day to somebody, explaining the products every day to somebody. So their content, their ability to do demo videos is actually their skill set in that is so much higher. And I think we're gonna see the two groups 
learning from each other a lot because I, th- I think this is this is going to be an impact we continue to see for the next couple of years in terms of the how it pushes the evolution of how we do our marketing. I agree. I think it just kind of moved us faster and like this hyper growth of things that were organically happening anyway, but just wouldn't have happened this quickly in another scenario. Um, I agree. It's amazing to see actually these established businesses. Also, you know, when you have an existing business, you have a client base. So, you know, if, if I see somebody come and open up a new e-commerce business, they have to build that up over time. They have to grow their traffic. They have to figure out how they're converting, all of that stuff. I see businesses come and start selling like the same day that they launch their store because they have clientele. You know, they let them know that they're online now and off we go. They can get better at it. They can optimize it. But um, but they're doing business day one. Yeah, and, and they're also getting um, getting the right feedback from day one. So uh, we have a each year on the show we we follow a startup story, so a business who who launches and and how they got on with their first year. And the the guy we're doing with this year is is quite well known in the e-commerce space. This guy a guy called Luke Carthy who does a lot of SEO, a lot of CRO for people, and he's built his own business and he's kind of revealing what's going on for us here. And one of the things he said in his first one, first our first episode about it was that. He, he didn't put any tracking on the website for the first couple of weeks because he knew it would be the likes of me you know, and probably you as well, Leah, all of us in the space going and kicking the tyres. Yeah. How did Luke do it? Did Luke do a good job? And you're just being nosy. And he's like, I don't want that data messing up my, 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 you know, my analytics for the future. So he just didn't put any tracking code on there at all, which I thought was such a clever way of doing it. But what it, it occurs to me, what you were just saying about the offline businesses coming online and immediately having customers is from day one, they're getting good data in their analytics, which even if you're a startup not being run by someone with friends who want to poke around and judge you, um, you know, you're still going to take a while for the right traffic to find you. So that gives them them another kind of head start is that they're learning from day one. What do our customers want? What do people already know us think about, about this site? Absolutely. I think it's so interesting also when they have that aha moment about how much more they're going to know about their customers. Because a lot of time what I hear is like, oh, no, I'm not going to see my customers anymore. I'm not going to meet them in person. What am I going to do? Um, and then they suddenly discover that actually I'm starting to learn so much more about my customer. I know their full sales history. I know which channels they're coming on. I'm able to track other things like where they're integrating like loyalty programs and asking them to do things on social. And they're like, wow, I can actually do so much more with this customer than I ever thought I could do um, before. So it's really interesting to see that shift and them just really adopting this data first um, approach to how they do business. But you're right that the customer service part of it comes so naturally to them. So that's awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it's good. To, you know, fine. For me, I feel like we're finally seeing people doing all the stuff they should have been doing all along, <laughs> which I know is a, is a huge amount of work for everybody out there. So I will forgive you if you're not doing it all yet. Um, right. Let's let's look to the future now, Leah, because we're reaching the part of the year where, you know, things are becoming a bit more I'm not going to use the normal word. I'm going to say things become a bit more stable and we're all getting a bit more used to the situation we're in. We're looking back on year on year figures that are, you know, in this new world of pandemic. And I think, you know, as we're getting through to kind of starting to approach that second half of the year, people are starting to think, right, 
let's start thinking proactively again. Let's start thinking about what we want to do. And to your point earlier, let's start looking at that marketing strategy and working out what should be on it. So from all all those hundreds of sites you're looking at every week and, you know, the conversations you're having with retailers and what we've discussed so far, what would you say are the kind of the key recommendations for having a successful Q3, Q4 this year? Sure. So I think... Q4 is a little different, and we're going to talk about holiday season plans in a sec, because if you want to be working well online for holiday season, you should already be working on the plans for that now. Um, I'll give you my basics that I always talk about mm-hmm. when I'm looking um, at an e-commerce site and just things that everyone needs to be doing because they are going to work for your business all the time. So number one is focus on the SEO, right? If you invest the time in the SEO you're going to keep getting that organic traffic over time. So there is no reason to be paying for shoppers that you can just be bringing um, to your website through their organic search, and you're going to get people with really high intent. Um, And here I can say that when we look at our network, um, stores that complete their SEO setup get two times as many visitors um, and about 1.3 times as much turnover in terms of the business. So that's something that's going to keep working for you over time. My other favorite in terms of like the one-time effort and the the long-time benefit is doing the right automations. So the most popular and obvious one is going to be abandoned cart recovery. You want to set that up. You want to make sure that anyone who's abandoning cart um, is going to complete purchase afterwards. And here we see in our network that stores who set that up increase sales by up to 29%. So that's a huge increase in business for something that you're working on and setting up once. Um, and there are a lot of other automations you can think about. I mean, that's that's the obvious one that almost every e-commerce business should have. And that's literally you're selling something that I know people should never, ever come back for. Um, but I like automations around if you have like a consumable, so products that are going to run out, if you know more or less how long it takes people to consume them, then having automations that are going to remind them to make that next purchase uh, on time. And then other things that you can think about are looking at similar customer segments and what they're buying and when that next purchase is occurring and then making those relevant upsell, cross-sell recommendations accordingly. Um, So those are things that I really wish everyone would do. I'm going to second that, completely second that. But yeah, carry on, Liat. Sure. And then my last one, and this one's going to go to the service piece, actually. And it's really interesting to see because this year, definitely, I'm going to say the the business, the existing businesses are doing better here, um, is live chat. So, you know, in e-commerce, you don't get that direct connection with your customer. They don't get to come into the store. You don't greet them at the door. They don't get to pick up your products and walk around. Um, and your website has to do that work for you. So where you have live chat, you're able to connect with your customers and kind of find those little windows of opportunity based on what they need to really understand what they're looking for, what you should be suggesting to them. Um, So here in the network, we see sites doing that are getting eight to 12 times higher revenues. And if if you're actually actively recommending products to customers via your chat, our stores are generating 71% more sales. So huge, huge ways that you can increase business. Um, If you are going with live chat, which I really recommend, you need to make sure that you're actually 
manning it and utilizing it correctly <laughs> because there is nothing more annoying to a customer than a chat that goes nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to use a bot, make sure that you're setting it up in a smart way, not a way that frustrates your customer in a way that's meant to either solve critical issues, answer frequently asked questions, and be available when you're offline. But I'm going to say it's almost like a social channel, right? If somebody writes you a message on social, they expect a timely response, right? Anything beyond something like 24 hours is just um, unacceptable for a business. And in some cases, it needs to be in much tighter windows than that. So, you know your customers and you know their expectations, but make sure that if you're offering a service that you're you know, following through and actually offering it. Yeah, such a good point. I've come across so many businesses that man their live chat five, uh, nine till five. And you're like, when do most of your customers buy? <laughs> eight o'clock in the evening. Are you on live chat eight o'clock in the evening? No. Like, why? Why? It doesn't even have to be you. You can train someone. It's like, oh gosh, it's just... I agree. And I'm like, and do you know there's an app for that? Like, that's my other one. I'm like, just do it from your phone. Like, you can use the mobile app for that. You don't have to, um, like, be on the computer. But absolutely, I agree. Like, be aware of where when your customers are online, when are they shopping, and then be there for them, whether it's you yourself or a staff member. Yeah, so, so easy to do with all the tech we've got now, but just such a missed opportunity as you don't. And I love the fact you gave us what uplift you see with the stores who've done these things and they've, they haven't. So anyone out there who's trying to work out and justify spending the time or the money on these, there were your percentage reasons to do it. That's what's at stake. Um, okay, and then we said we talk about the holiday season. So those three areas you just outlined, the customer service, um, the SEO and the automations are things we should be getting in place now, ready for Q4. But what are we going to be doing when we get to the holiday season? What, what are the most important things to do then? So I think in terms of holiday season, you always want to be planning out your promotions really carefully and thinking about what are the points that you're trying to reach new audience and new shoppers versus what are the points that you're really making use of that customer base and reaching out to your existing customers? So I think you never want to be competing in those really critical moments of everyone's like, you know, those last few hours of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, when everyone's running on the same traffic and the, and the same ads. So I always say do your promotion to new customers a little bit earlier It's going to let you stand out more. Um, Think about the offer that you're giving them so that you're attracting them in um, and still creating that kind of incentive and FOMO so that they're not waiting until the last minute. And then save your last minute stuff for your existing customer base because there you have a direct line. So if you're going to be using email marketing or SMS or if you have owned social channels where your community is based and you can utilize those to reach out to them, that's stuff that you can much more easily be pushing up until the last minute. Um, I also think, like, think about different ways that you can sell to customers um, and last-minute shoppers. So if you are going to go after last-minute shoppers, um, you know, there's always the fulfillment window that you need to take into account. So things are actually getting to people on time before the holidays. Um, think about stuff like gift cards. Um, gift cards are an amazing way to keep selling all the way up to the last minute. 
Um, people can literally just buy them, especially digital gift cards, um, and, and give them to friends and family um, as they're walking in the door. Um, they're a great way for you to get exposure to new customers because typically people are giving them as gifts. So your customer bought and taught somebody else about your brand. Um, and the best part is that people usually spend much more than they're worth. So here we have um, a great app in our app market called Gifted, and we see um, people selling those gift cards. Customers actually purchase an average of 38% more than the gift card value itself. So that's a great way to kind of keep driving the sales even post the, the holiday season, cut out some of the fulfillment. Um, think about subscriptions, and subscriptions can start later than the holidays, like giving somebody a subscription to I don't know, some curated box or theme or a product that they really love for whatever time period you want to do is another really great gift. And you can start that from January and people are going to be just as happy to get that as a gift. Um, it's a great way to build that recurring revenue. So there are a lot of ways that you can go about planning out how you're going to do it. But I think be smart in what you're trying to sell um, and think about the longer term. So I always say, you know, we spend so much on acquiring every customer. We spend our time and our budget and our resources. And a sale is always great for e-commerce. Any sale is good. But the, the real opportunity is to keep earning from that customer for a lifetime. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com slash masterplan. This message comes from e-commerce masterplan sponsor Wix e-commerce, the industry-leading e-commerce platform with advanced online storefront features. Wix e-commerce is the complete solution for entrepreneurs, omnichannel retailers and brands to launch, run and scale their online stores successfully. Go to wix.com slash e-commerce, that's w-i-x.com slash e-commerce today and join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, Leah, you've given us so many tips already, but we're now going to go into our top tips round because, um, well, as the listeners know, I love this section. I know a lot of you do too, because it gives all of us some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So, Leah, are you ready for these? I am. Marvellous. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So one that I really love, I actually read it for the second time recently, is called Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, I'll actually let you know that she also does TED Talks. So if you don't want to read, you could take that route. And it's how I found her in the first place. Um, 
but it's really just about um, what happens when you don't succeed um, and that it's not just about talent or lack that's going to make the difference, right? So it's about passion and perseverance and I love the book. So that's my... Excellent. And I, I love that you've given us the TED Talk angle as well. I know we've got a few <laughs> listeners who are like, I cannot deal with a book. Um, okay, uh, traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Please, please think about your target audience and then match the channel to that, right? Not all customers are on every kind of marketing channel. So, Think about who your customers are, which channels they're actually on, and also who, what are you trying to do? Is it new customers, existing customers, actively shopping customers, demographic-based targeting, and then choose your channel. So um, I think if you do that stuff super clearly, know your audience, know your goal, and then match the channel, it doesn't really matter which one you're using to increase traffic. It's going to be much more effective. Excellent advice. Okay, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, I think that like things have really switched for me um, this year. Back in the day, I wanted like the apps and the tools and I use them all, right? I use Zoom and Slack and WhatsApp and whatever you want, we use them all. Um, now I'm just like a little bit of human interaction, right? However you can get that, if it's talking directly to someone's face, having a coffee outside somewhere, I don't know, whatever you can do to just create some human interaction. Oh, good, good advice. Properly, uh, properly real world too. Uh, the growth top tip finally then. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? I would say understand um, your customer's lifetime value, but look at it in short term and long term, right? I think that when we talk about lifetime value, a lot of times people get caught up in these long-term models, which give you really accurate view of what a customer is going to be worth to you, but don't really help you at all in how you optimize in the short term. Um, so, you know, at Wix ourselves, we never even use lifetime value to plan or optimize our marketing spend. We use a completely different methodology called TROI, which is time to return on investment. It's already giving you a hint in what that means. Um, different talk for a different day, but think short term and long term. So use cohort-based lifetime value and ROI models, look at really tight timeframes, can be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, but really I just like to get to the second purchase for that timeframe. And then you can start to understand from that lifetime value model, how you can optimize your acquisition spend, how you're able to return that marketing investment. Um, you know, a lot of times your cost of, us, of customer acquisition is a little bit higher than what actually um, their first purchase is going to be worth. And then that means you know you have to focus on that retention strategy so you get to a second or third purchase. And then you make the right business decision. Like, am I going to invest in this channel and this type of audience and then really focus on the retention? Or do I want to focus on a different kind of channel that's going to give me something that I'm covering my costs immediately? But either way, you want to make sure that you're covering your acquisition costs as quickly as possible so you can go back and reinvest that budget and bring more customers 
and you want to keep thinking about the growth. How am I con- continuously growing the value of this customer to my business over time? I love that time to return on investment. It does make so much more sense than customer lifetime value. I have to go and dive into that myself in a moment. Well, look, um, Leah, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Sure, absolutely. So Wix is really easy to find. Just go to Wix.com or search for Wix on any social network and you'll find the team there. Um, For e-commerce, it's Wix.com slash e-commerce. So again, super easy. And um, you can find me on Twitter or LinkedIn. My handle is Carpel. And I am super happy to connect. Excellent. Thanks, Liat. And um, thank you for coming on the show. It's been really enjoyable for me and hopefully the listeners as well, talking about what we've learned from the last 12 months and the, the, you know, the tips you've given us for what to do with the rest of the year were outstanding. So, um, so thanks for joining me. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. It really is amazing how much the pandemic has changed the way we approach our e-commerce strategies. So much new stuff and new approaches being tested. It's quite a lot to keep track of. So I hopefully it's awesome advice on how to focus in over the next couple of quarters helps you get the right things done. To get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned, head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. There you can add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every single week because I want to inspire and help as many e-commerce business owners as possible to succeed and thrive with their business. So please do tell the other e-commerce people you know, because I'd love if this show could help them too. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.